G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Wrapping up the day's sporting issues deep into the night. This is Extra Time on SENZ. I'm gonna It's just gone 9 o'clock here on SENZ Extra Time and it is time for Rumble on the Radio. We are talking fight sports for the next hour. Coming up, uh, Hot Rod McSwain is going to join us. We're going to talk some UFC and, of course, there are plenty to talk as well. A couple of weeks ago, we saw Kai Carter France uh, fight for the Bantamweight title of the UFC and lose uh, with that kick to the body that really just finished him. Uh, Brandon looked so good in that fight. It was a tough fight for both fighters, but uh, it's certainly the second time that Brandon has prevailed over Kai, and uh, you've got to say, probably fair enough too. So where to next for Kai Carter, France? Also, Blood Diamond, uh, he's 0-2 now in the UFC. He's probably got one fight to save his UFC contract, the way that works, but is the UFC the right place for him? I mean, he's had two wrestlers. And you're going to catch, you know, you're going to get wrestling when it comes uh, to the UFC. So you've got to be able to play, uh, you, you know, fight wrestlers, counterplay what they are doing. He doesn't seem able to do it. He had a couple of opportunities uh, to uh, to win that fight, and he didn't take them. And it didn't sound like he was listening to his coaches a lot either. So what next for him? We'll find out when Hot Rod McSwain joins us in a little bit because, uh, you know, for me, I'm looking at that going, well, maybe he needs to go to the one championship. You know, if you want to be a kickboxer, that's fine, uh, but you can't do it in the UFC. They just it's, It just doesn't happen, especially if you, you know, don't have the skill level um, or the belief level, the confidence level of Israel Adesanya, who there's, there's more to his game, uh, for example, than just kickboxing. But I think that's where... CKB thought blood was. They thought he was going to be that guy, that he was going to be the next Israel Adesanya. He has fallen short so far. So be interesting to see what Hot Rod McSwain thinks and uh, where he thinks they go from here. Of course, uh, a whole bunch of UFC over the weekend just gone as well. Terence McKinney uh, with a great first-round uh, submission win over Eric Gonzalez. Uh, we also had Sergei Spivak uh, t- absolutely destroy Augusto uh, Sakai. Man, he looked like it. You know when say, they say people look like they've been in a fight? He looked like he'd been in a fight and lost. Uh, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, knockout in the second round. Juliana Miller, also, she won by knockout third round. Um, four minutes gone, actually. Uh, almost went the distance against Brogan Walker in the women's flyweight performance of the night, though. Um, Muhammad Usman, a second round TKO of Zach Palga, and uh, that was in the heavyweights, and 
Man, he looks like one to watch. Definitely keep an eye on him and keep an eye on where his ranking goes as well because he is a fighter uh, who is, I think, going places. And, yeah, you recognize that surname, Usman. Yeah, he is uh, the brother. Uh, Vincente Luque, he got beaten by Jeff Neal. Uh, that was another performance of the night. Um, performance from Jeff Neal, a uh, uh, knockout two minutes into the third round of the welterweight bout. And then finally... Uh, the fight of the night, the light heavyweight belt uh, by, bout, I should say, between Thiago Santos and Jamal Hill. Jamal Hill winning that one with a knockout halfway through the fourth round. So uh, plenty of action uh, that we saw in the UFC this weekend just gone. Um, and I think, too, maybe uh, on the on the prelims, uh, a couple of fighters to watch. Uh, one of those, Brian Battle. Now, he was not in the latest ultimate fighter but in the one before Brian Battle came through and won that ultimate fighter and he is now on a bit of a streak in the UFC he won with a superb standing head kick against Takashi Sato I mean Sato's no mark but 44 seconds into the first round and Brian Battle standing head kick boom Sato is done he is toast he is gone so Brian Battle one to watch in the uh, welterweight uh, division. He also won a performance of the night bonus as well. And uh, Myra Bueno Silva in the women's bantamweight, she went up against Stephanie Egger and really put on a clinic when it came to the submission game, submitting Stephanie in just a minute 17 of the first round. So, yeah, some fantastic performances coming out of the UFC from last weekend. Uh, also, another story that has come out is that Nick Diaz and Conor McGregor might be a thing again. Um, we'll have to see because I don't know if, if Nate Diaz, if he's not going to, if he's going to corner Nick like he likes to, he might have to give up a trilogy fight. So we'll have to see whether that happens. But um, Diaz's longtime coach Cesar Grassi recently shared that Diaz is aiming to return before the end of the year, and if he had his way, he wants uh, to rekindle the McGregor rivalry. Um, so. We'll have to see. We'll have to see uh, whether or not that is going to happen. But I tell you, that'd be interesting. Uh, this is what Gracie had to say. He said, "Me and my personal point of view is that that's the fight I want to see. I'd love to see Nick and Connor fight, hundred percent, because I think it would be insane. It would be great. I think they both have respect for each other, their skills and everything. I think it'd be an amazing fight. I do. Nick is such a loyal guy to his brother, though, and he looks at that as Nate's fight. Then he doesn't want to step on his toes. So, yeah, we'll have to see. We'll have to see whether or not that happens. Uh, it'll be interesting to get uh, the thoughts of Hot Rod McSwain on that. We'll do that uh, shortly. Uh, here's a rant. This is I'm going to talk to Hot Rod about this too because this has got to be the the most random reason to pull out of a bout. Um, Christos Giagos um, severed a tendon in his pinky finger on a broken toilet and has had to withdraw from UFC Paris. So you're yeah, plenty of news coming out. Also the news that uh, Dan Hooker has called out Tony Ferguson. Um, I think that's a fight that I don't know that Tony Ferguson, that it does anything for Tony Ferguson. I think it does a lot more for Dan Hooker. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I mean, Dan has lost four of his last five, and he's had back-to-back -back losses. Um, and he's obviously dropped back a weight class to lightweight again as well. But he's called him out. Now, for me, this is a great move by Dan if he can get the fight to happen because it does, as I said, a lot more for Dan than it does for Tony. But we will we'll have to see, have to see whether or not that is going to happen um, and whether or not it's a good idea. Um, we've got Vera Cruz coming up. 
this weekend in the UFC fight night. Marlon Vera, uh, the number five ranked bantamweight up against Dominic Cruz, the number eight ranked uh, who is coming back uh, also on that card. Um, some uh, interesting names as well. Cynthia Carvalho in the women's flyweight up against Nina Nunez. Um, Gerald Merchard as well, uh, a middleweight to watch. I think he is uh, the outsider in this one against Bruno Silva, but I think that is going to be fireworks, that fight. Also, Devin Clark, he takes on Azmat uh, Muzakinov in a light heavyweight belt. Uh, you'd have to fancy um, the Dagestani fighter there. And Nate Landwehr up against David Onama as well in the featherweight. So uh, that is what's coming up in UFC weekend uh, this weekend. Also coming up uh, this on this show, we are going to catch up with Chad Mills, who represented New Zealand at the Commonwealth Games in Glasgow back in 2014. We'll get his take on how the New Zealand boxing team performed at Birmingham, the latest Com Games, which is, have, of course, just wrapped up. So we'll, uh, we'll have a chat to him, but we'll also get his take on the Joe Parker, Joe Joyce uh, bout that has been lined up. Is this the right fight? And is it a good fight for Joe Parker? It feels like it's a dangerous fight for both fighters. We'll also talk Anthony Joshua Usyk as well and a few other things. So all of that and more coming up. It is nine past nine here on SENZ, the Rumble on the radio. you got any questions for Hot Rod McSwain or for Chad Milne, then give us a text. Double eight double three is the Temper Bedpost text machine. It's 14 past nine here on SENZ Extra Time. Ricardo Ball with you through till 11 o'clock, and we are rumbling at uh, this hour. It is Rumble on the radio, talking combat sports for the hour. Joining us now is uh, Hot Rod McSwain. Uh, G'day, mate. How are you doing? Hey, good, Ricardo. How's it going? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Good. Uh, you're, uh, you've been in the, the heat of battle uh, at the pro level as a as an MMA fighter, um, so you know what it's like to uh, to get in there and put it all on the line. You've done it on several occasions, mate. Um, you know, we've seen a bunch of Kiwis out there fighting um, for their careers as well. Uh, a couple of them a couple of weeks ago it didn't go quite as uh, as planned for them. Um, let's start with, with, with Kai Carter France against Brandon Moreno. Uh, I mean, he lost that fight fair and square, didn't he? It was a great kick uh, that finished him, but uh, two two losses on the bounce uh, to Moreno now, um, who is, I think, a deserved champion. Uh, where to next for Kai, do you think? Man, what just watching that fight, um, I think the judges had it uh, even going into the third and then Kai potentially ahead in that third. Um, man, no one saw that kick coming. Mm. Uh, I don't even know if you saw it. I definitely didn't see it. Didn't see him pulling that liver shot off. And initially we thought it was a low blow. Um, and then you watch the playback and it just smacked perfectly on the liver. And, um, like, oh man, so gutted for Kai. I guess Kai, he, um, he's tough. He's mentally tough. He's got a, um, got a mental coach at the moment and he's he's a different kind of different kind of beast at the moment uh, really mentally tough and so he'll pick himself back up back to the drawing board and um see what the next challenge is ahead of him maybe one or two more wins and puts him right back in that title contention because it's not like he um he got caught you know he was mm. winning that i really felt he was winning that fight and um he just got caught you know he was starting to take over in that third off that elbow cut him open I even got a couple of takedowns you know, and his right hand started to land, and we were just getting just getting the groove of things. 
it was super unfortunate, but hey, that's that's a fight game. Yeah, it is. I mean, like as I mentioned, when I say two on the bounce, it's not two in a row. But he has lost now twice to Moreno, and both times he was up in those fights. I think, like I mean, that first fight, he certainly won the first round. Um, I mean, he ended up losing yeah, a split definitely. decision that in, in that fight, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Moreno, he's he's a beast, and I think you're right, Ricardo. He is a deserved champion. A lot of people thought he won that his last fight against uh, for the title against Figueroa. So um, I guess they have their rematch. Kai has one or two fights and puts him right back in that title contention if he's if he's up for it, and I'm pretty sure he is. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, what is it that makes Moreno so hard to fight against? I mean, he he does seem quite long for this um, for this weight division. Yeah, I I guess you try and mimic that style in the gym. Mm. You can't really find a sparring partner to mimic Moreno's style. He is um he was all over the show in that in that first round, and it took Kai a couple of rounds just to find the range, just to find the groove, find a counter for that left high kick, and we managed to counter it with um with his own low kick, who eventually got a sweep, and um just. Because Kai is usually a fast starter, so that time we had to kind of slow down because Moreno was really pushing him forward. And uh, Kai does really well on the front foot as opposed to being the back foot, but we didn't have the opportunity to move forward with Moreno in our face. So um, just had to adjust the game plan a little bit. Yeah, well, again, I, just so hard to, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, so I was going to say, that style. yeah, it is. And, I mean, and, and that's a really good point because I talked to Mike Angove before this fight, and I said, you know, the, looking back on that, on the first fight, the thing that Moreno did to negate the right hand after that first round when Kai was dominant was that high kick and making Kai wear that, you know, he wasn't connecting with the head, but Kai was having to block it, so he was wearing it on his upper arm and his shoulder, and and that took all the juice out of Kai's right and also meant that he was a bit more, um, I guess, hesitant to throw it because that that kick kick kept coming. So it it was a real game of chess, the second uh, second fight, saying who was going to do what and who was going to blink first. Exactly, and then... And then just it just so happens that that high kick that he kept throwing in the first and second, and then he comes low on the third to the mm-hmm. body. So that was a perfect, perfect game plan from uh, Moreno's camp. Bastards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they set it up well, mate. They set it up very well. It has to be said. Um, yeah. What about uh, what about Blood Diamond then? Um, let's talk about him. Uh, he's zero two now in the UFC. You'd think, given the way they tend to operate, he's got one fight to save his UFC c- contract. Um, and he's had two wrestlers, but I mean, you're going to get wrestlers, right? And the guy that he that he just lost to certainly wasn't the dominant wrestler of the guy that he fought in the first fight. So that I mean, that guy was a guy that liked to stay, stay on his feet a, a bit more. He had chances to win that fight, but it it didn't feel like he was really listening to his corner a lot. I don't think I've seen Eugene yell that much in a fight for a long time. <laughs> yeah, um, you put it down to uh, experience. You know, so Bloods is used to hurting guys and then being able to finish them on the feet in the clinch. You remember, he he fires his high kick in close quarter range, and that's how he catches everyone. So um, he likes being in slightly closer range than, let's say, like uh, Israel. So um, when he hurt him in that second, we, we all thought, oh, here we go. He's going to keep his range, stay composed, and uh, pick, him, pick him off. But now Bloods wanted to get in there and, and finish him, which, which is no good in mixed martial arts, right? People come in and you try and tie clinch someone, they're going to get their double underhooks and attempt to take you down, and that's exactly what happened in that second round. So um, I think Huge gave him the, the call in the third, hey, use your experience, keep the range, and just pick him off. But um, it's just experience, you know, like Bloods hasn't had many MMA fights where he's needed to 
go back to the game plan and keep it at range to avoid getting taken down. You know, he's fought in Australia, New Zealand, where he's managed to put guys away. And a lot of guys in Aussie wanted to stand and bang with bloods. But um, that's definitely not the case here at the top level. You know, why would you stand and bang with one of the top kickboxers in the South Pacific, you know? Mm. Well, on that then, mate, I mean, what do you think the next move is with, with Blood Fizz, CKB? I mean, how much influence can they have on matchmaking for the for the third fight, if there is one? Or is it a case of looking at his skill set and going, you're really struggling with wrestlers, maybe we need to target the one championship, go make a name there and then try and come back later? So I'd imagine that hopefully it wasn't a two-fight contract. I'd hopefully they managed to get a three-fight contract for Bloods. And um, again, with the with the credible names, with Israel, with the other boys, and with the pulling power that CKB has at the moment, hopefully they can get him a, another fight and just take whatever's thrown at, at the moment. You know, whoever's not, uh, whoever needs a match, will probably Bloods will just have to have to take that fight and just train up and just really try and really try and win that fight and secure a spot in the USC. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's just take take whatever's given. Hopefully it's a three-fight contract mm. and not too, clauses, not too many clauses are broken and try and move forward on that. But that's a good one with 1FC. But the problem is no one really wants to travel into Asia <laughs> unless they're taking a whole team, you know. And since a lot of the boys already have contracts with the UFC, it's, um, you know, it's in our best interest to send one team over uh, a group, a group of guys, and coach them all. They all do the camp at the same time. Get over to the states and fight together, as opposed to one going one direction, another few going elsewhere, and then you spread the resources. So, what do you think uh, CKB will do here? I mean, if you're Eugene, uh, if you've got a camp with with blood for maybe a third fight potentially, what do you? What are the work-ons and 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 what is CKB doing? What are those conversations with with the UFC like at the moment? Well, I. Th- Blood's camp was really good. He he spent a lot of time on the wall, a lot of time in the places we thought the fight was going to go. So just seeing him and even sparring and, and grappling with him, he, he's he was strong. He was dominant, and you could see that in the fight. He wasn't uh, he wasn't being held down too much. He was he was still in the fight, in the wrestling, and he had the he had the the fight was his to win. So I don't think too much will change with the camp. Just a few more fine tuning. And trying to get him used to <laughs> separate, keep out of range, and man, far out! I'm just so gutted for that fight. I guess you just just gonna just gonna have to try and call on the pulling power that Israel and the boys have, and try and get him another fight in there. Um, and if not, I guess back to the drawing board, fight a few more uh, on the local shows because Bloods was doing really well in Australia. He was, mm-hmm. I think, he was undefeated on that Hicks show. And um, the guys in Hicks at the moment, the top guys, they, they're going straight into the UFC. So if that's the case, he'd have to fight a few more local shows, work his way back up, and then get another shot. It, it, um, it's happened in the past, and it might just have to happen again. Yeah, well, we'll have to uh, see what happens and if there is a another fight there for him, if, if they need to change tack on that. Um, we've also seen, of course, Izzy's uh, next opponent, Alex Pereira, um, being announced for November. Uh, it was interesting, this one, because Alex Pereira is really good at slapping the gums, so is Izzy. Um, and, of course, he's, he keeps bringing out that kickboxing fight where he knocked Izzy out. Uh, the markets have opened. Izzy's at $1.56. Pereira's at $2.30. That's a lot closer than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, um, amazing, right? We can't, you can't write a better movie. <laughs> so, you know, so I think the plan was to... If the USC wants to capitalise on this, they needed to get 
Barrera to the top as quick as they can. And the best route was through um, Strickland and far out. He, he took him out, so um, he's going up. I think, have you seen, Ricardo, have you seen the second fight, Israel and um, Alex? I haven't, no. It's, on, it's online, so, so when you get a chance, go and have a look at the fight. And it's the way it plays out was uh, Israel is dominating on the outside and then starts to really take over, and he, he, uh, he gave uh, Alex an eight count in the second round. And then I think in the third round, Israel comes out and really tries to put him away and gets caught with that left hook. And that's that's pretty much how he, he got uh, knocked out and finished in that fight. But up until that point, it was all one-way ticket. It was all Israel. So, um, And people don't realize that. You know, People just think that Alex come in and just railroaded him like he's been doing the last, his last few opponents. But that's not the case with Israel. So, um, But I do think he does pose the biggest threat for Israel to stand up, you know, obviously mm. Alex is one scary, scary guy and double champ in glory and just the height Israel struggles with the, the t- slightly taller guys and the slightly longer reach and he hasn't really had that before in in a title defense. He's had the, he's def- definitely been the taller, uh, longer opponents except for Jan, Jan Bukowicz, yeah. which managed to expose that range and height. So Alex might be able to do the same. So I'm quite excited because Israel might need to use some of his grappling just to nullify some of the striking and just to um you know I'm I'm quite excited for the fight but I definitely think um Israel I'd go 80% in favor of um Israel on yeah. this one. Well, I mean the Plakovic fight was it was more than the length too wasn't it I mean, it was it was the power and it was the strength and it was the extra weight that I think as he really struggled with because his takedown is so good but he couldn't resist the takedown for Plakovic because he was just that much bigger. Well, yeah, like in that fight, I think in the fourth or the fifth, Israel felt he needed to do more and press the fight. And just as he started moving forward, Lukowicz would switch level and got one takedown and managed to just hold him down for the for that round. And that pretty much won him the fight and won him the round. So, um, you know, as much as you want to get excited and try and finish guys, in MMA, it's a, it's a tough game. Mm, it is. I mean, we've seen Izzy's last couple of fights. I think even he said he hasn't... You know, yet we haven't seen the best of Izzy, but he has been in fights against guys where he's been able to stay on the outside and just control the fight, right? Um, you know, sort of, I guess, from in a boxing parlance, it's, you know, um, the, the way uh, that Lennox Lewis beat David Tua. You know, he's, he's able just to control the range, control the distance, and not get in any trouble. And people have accused Izzy of, of, of being boring or not being at his best, but he's, he's done what he's needed to do to, to win the belt, to hold the belt. Uh, and and to keep it, so it, we're going to see a different game plan against Pereira in November, aren't we? Yeah, I don't. I think Pereira will definitely bring it to Israel. Whereas you look at some of these other guys, they're not on the same level as Israel striking, so they're very wary of coming in and getting knocked out. So what they do instead is they just don't come in. They just hang around the outskirts, try and land one wild, crazy shot, and then move. And um. And they don't commit because you commit on the stand-up against Israel and you're going to catch some counters in there. He's pretty accurate with those. So he's smart enough not to engage unnecessarily. But um, I think Alex is definitely going to have to move in and fire out. It's going to be a stand-up war and then maybe even see some takedowns on either of their part, you know, because people don't rate Israel's ground game, but he's very hard to take down and he's even harder to hold down. Mm. And he's a bit more efficient with the grappling against Pereira because he's just been doing it that much longer. You know, like since at the old gym when Israel was 
fully kickboxing, he would always be still doing the MMA training with the boys. And I'd always think, I think, man, this guy's doing the MMA training. What's his, what's he doing? He's got, he's fighting in glory. He's fighting in China, kickboxing. And, you know, a couple of years later, you know, he's fighting MMA dominating and he's already got the, the basics and all the, all the groundwork there just because you just had him training with the boys day in, day out, uh, grinding. And, um, there we are today, UFC world champ. So I think he's definitely going to have the edge and the clinch on the ground if he wants to take it there, and he's he'll have that option. And I don't think Pereira will have that option. Do you think, uh, you know, you mentioned at the start there that the UFC have really fast-tracked Pereira. Do you think it's been too fast for him? I mean, is this too early for him, this fight? Yes and no. As a, as a I guess... I mean, if you were coaching... Yeah. Yes, definitely. Yeah. yeah. If, if I was his coach, it's it's way too quick. It's too fast. But if it's um if it's for business wise and the thing is it wouldn't happen if he had to go down the long route. He he might not be able to get there. If he was if he had to fight three or four guys on the way up, he'd come up against a wrestler who'd be able to hold him down and um this fight would be delayed another few years until he get gains that skill set. But because they've fast tracked him, they've given him Sean Strickland, who doesn't look for one takedown in their entire fight, the crazy guy, um, here we are today. And I think, you know, it makes a, it makes for a good final fight, boss fight, if you will, for Israel. Yeah, it does. Um, definitely fight, de- yeah, definitely too fast. As, if I was his coach, nah, we're not doing that. Yeah. You know, yeah, a good, good money grab, though, but not, not ideal for Pereira. For Israel, perfect. Uh, here's another one then uh, that uh, has been in the news today uh, is that uh, Dan Hooker has called out Tony Ferguson. Um, now, Ferguson's currently sitting at number 11. Hooker's sitting at number 13. Of course, Dan's had a few losses. I think he's had, what, four of his last five have been losses. Um, I looked at this and I went, it's a great move trying to call out Ferguson, but it feels like this is a a fight that works more for Dan than it does for Tony. Yeah, I guess they're both coming off a coming off losses. It's it's a tough yarn. Dan has been taking these late notice fights, and he's a he's a brawler, man, and he's he's a he's a true fighter at heart, and he's one of the best guys in the gym. Like people don't realize, Dan Dan's striking and his grappling and his wrestling, he puts it together the best in the gym, you know, out of, out of everybody. And um, we're just gutted when we can't we don't get to see the victory. Um, mm. And him put it together in the cage like, like, like he should and like he like he's done. But I think this is, I think it's a good fight for Dan. I'm I'm a big Tony Ferguson fan, so I'm I'm gutted to see one of them lose. But I I don't think it'll be Dan. And I think Dan's just waiting on, everyone's waiting on Ferguson to sign the contract. I think Dan's team and the UFC are all all down and they're all ready to go. And I think it's on um, Ferguson's end. But again, this might not be a good move for Ferguson. Um, he might try to fish out for a better offer somewhere, because if he if he loses this one, then um, yeah, that might be all she wrote for for Tony. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting matchup, whichever way it goes. Hey, a couple of uh, other quick stories that I wanted to get your thoughts on, mate. Uh, one of those is uh, Nick Diaz uh, potentially fighting Conor McGregor. Um, now, uh, his coach has said that he thinks it'll be a great fight, Cesar Gracie, but. I guess it depends on what Nate Diaz wants to do because, I mean, that rivalry is Nate's, but uh, it looks like, you know, it's being floated that maybe Nick Diaz uh, could be the opponent for Conor McGregor's comeback to the UFC. <laughs> so Nick 
that he fought Robbie Lawler last, didn't he? Yep. Yeah, he he didn't do too bad. I think he's a man, but both of them are a little bit out of a little bit out of practice. But man, who who wouldn't want to see that fight? I'd want to see it. Um, yeah, I think you're right. It should be should be Nate's. Isn't that the trilogy fight? Wouldn't it be yeah. their trilogy fight? It would be, yeah. Yeah, I thought yeah, I thought that might be the case. But if Nate's leaving after Chimaev, then um, that's a good that's a good cash grab for them. That'll be a big headliner, a bit of nostalgia there, between the old school and the new school. Connor and and Nate, both bad guys from each from different eras. So man, that'd be a that'd be a good money fight. I I, I wouldn't see. I don't know if Nick would be, would do any well, do any good just based on his last performance against Robbie. Mm. He, he didn't look too too happy to be in there, you know. He's normally in there playing games, playing mind games, and um, he just didn't look too comfortable in there. And Connor hits hard, man. He hits hard. Yeah. And he's southpaw, same as Lola. So, you know. Sounds like it sounds like a fight that the on. UFC might want to set up so they can get another W next to Connor's name and then get him a title shot. <laughs> Am I being too cynical? Yeah, yeah. No, you're you, you smack on, and that's unfortunately that's how it, that's how it works, isn't it? You know. Yeah. Unfortunately. Unfortunately, yeah. and uh, lastly, mate, I don't know. You would have seen some uh, some unusual injuries in, in your time in the sport, but uh, Christos uh, Giagos was supposed to fight at UFC Paris this coming weekend, but he's had to withdraw because he severed a pinky tendon on a broken toilet. Oh my gosh. That is bizarre. What's the weirdest injury you've either had or seen? I'm pretty lucky. I haven't I haven't broken a bone or been seriously injured. Um, a couple. Of, I accidentally poked Shane Young um, knuckle deep Ooh. in his eye, and he had to pull out of a fight. Actually, sorry about that, bro. Um, Dan Hooker broke his right hand. I think he broke it on someone's head, and um, continued his training camp jabbing everybody up <laughs> so um <laughs> you know broken bones they don't they shouldn't slow you down you know the sport of eight limbs is uh muay thai so mixed martial arts is even more um uh, yeah i haven't seen too many crazy injuries but that sounds horrible severed pinky finger tendon on a toilet seat <laughs> yeah, well, no, yeah it's just horrible isn't it when you think about that hey good stuff rod thanks very much for coming on mate always good to have you on rumble on the radio and uh, great to get your insight from the uh, ckb camp as well Awesome. Thanks a lot, Ricardo. Cheers, man. Hot Rod McSwain with us. It is 25 away from 10. When we come back, we're talking boxing with Chop Chop Chad Milnes. It's 21 away from 10 here on Rumble on the Radio on SENZ Extra Time. Ricardo Ball with you through to 11 o'clock. Joining us now is former New Zealand Com Games boxer Chad Milnes. He was at Glasgow 2014. Uh, the team have, of course, been in Birmingham this year. And I know, Chad, you'll have uh, had eyes on that, mate. Uh, how's things? Ah, uh, yeah, no, things are good. Things are good. Um, and yeah, definitely was uh, watching our, our our guys, our team go over there. Um, and yeah, good to see that we came back with a, a medal as well. So, uh, yeah, things are good. Things are good, mate. Yeah, I mean, let's go through. Uh, let's go through how things played out. I mean, uh, you know, it didn't start well for Onyx Lie losing to um, the Welsh, uh, the Welsh fighter in the light heavies on the first day, uh, and Arian Nicholson also got beaten by a very good Indian fighter on day two, but. Uh, Emil Richardson was was close. I mean that that three uh, two decision on day three, that win in the in the middleweights uh, was good. I mean it was it was a tight fight, but it was a, it was a good win. 
Um, yeah, a super tight. No, he 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 lost that one actually, but it was a super tight fight, and I thought that he was pretty unlucky to know. He should have won actually. I thought. Mm. Um, and and uh, I thought he won the first round. I thought he won the last round, and maybe gave the second round away a little bit, but. But very unfortunate. Um, I think he was hard done by. But I mean, at the same time, boxing—that's <laughs> part of boxing. Those, those things happen. And in nine minutes of fighting, it's uh, the margin for error is tiny. And when it's that close, it's it's hard to argue. It's yeah. hard to argue. Yeah. Yeah. What very did, unfortunate. What did you? Uh, I mean, what did you make of the depth of the team that we sent over? I mean, was there anybody that didn't go? I mean, obviously David Nike had to pull out. Um, unfortunately, but was there anybody that wasn't there that you thought should have been? Um, I mean, the, the, the depth of the team, you, you had some fairly experienced boxers, like Troy was there, mm. um, um, but, but I guess actually besides that, and I mean, if Dave was there, we, obviously Dave, Dave's the man. <laughs> um, but I mean, the team was fairly green, and, and obviously we know that in the recent years, international experience has not been very uh, readily available uh, because of lockdowns and whatnot. But um, thinking about it, I mean, I mean that was the team that we had, and, and they fought their hearts out. We had Alex Makuga come away with a good win. Mm. Um, and, and, of course, uh, the likes of Troy and, and Ariane had really tough matchups first up. Um, yeah. they, they, they both got really hard fights with Indians. And, and, and Indians are really, really strong amateur boxing uh, nation, so, um, but I mean, you know, not not. We still got a medal, which is great. And and before, sort of my sort of batch, we were had a bit of a medal drought for a few years. So it's good to for the last three games we've been able to come home um, with some fighters uh, bringing some medals around the net. A hundred percent, mate. I mean, you mentioned Alex Makuka. I mean, he had that win over George um, Mowantanwa, I think it is, from Botswana. That was a tight, tight fight. Yeah. And, then, and then he went up against the Ghanaian, Joseph Comey. And I mean, for the featherweight division, how much length did Comey have? He looked untouchable. That was unreal. Uh, his arms were so long. Alex was really up against it. And I know that Comey is a pretty experienced boxer himself. And and Alex on the international stage is really not. Um, and I think that, you know, he gave it a really good go when he tried and, and and showed, I think, a lot of potential with a bit more international experience at that level that, that he could in future get more success. And not to mention also Wendell Stanley, with his first fight, he, he put his guy away, beat him uh, via the shorter distance, um, and then in a super tight fight, uh, lost his quarterfinal uh, quarterfinal fight to, to not get into the medals, but he put on really good performances in his fights and um, should carry, you know, his head high uh, with how he went at the games. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, and, and, you know, Comey, just to give you an idea how good he is, I mean, he ended up getting silver, but it was only because he couldn't fight. He was declared medically unfit because he got a fever and had to be rushed to hospital. So he'll be absolutely gutted because I, I, I watched um, that fight against Alex and I thought Alex did everything he could to try and get close, but you know, was just just wasn't able to, and I thought there's no way that anyone's beating Comey in this division. Uh, yeah, that, that was he's he's a bit of a freak, like super unbelievably long arms. But uh, his the opponent he probably would have faced Jude Gall- I think it was Jude Gallagher from Northern Ireland. He was classy. So, I mean, Gutter didn't get to see that fight, but that would have been uh, a barn burner for sure. Um, I don't know how I'd call that. I think I think I would even still. 
I would still side with maybe the, I would side with the, the the Irishman in that, but one of those things you won't get to see it. <laughs> no, unfortunately. unfortunately, yeah. Well, what about Wendell Stanley? I mean, he the light middleweight. He he had a reasonable games as well, didn't he? No, yeah, he did. He put he, he put his first guy away. He stopped his first opponent um, from Swaziland. I can't remember the name. And then in his quarterfinal fight, just to get into the medals, had a super tight fight with a strong as boxer from Mozambique. Bombs throwing bombs and and it was super close. I mean, it was uh, it it was a tight fight. It could have gone either way. Um, and just narrowly missing out on on that medal placing. Uh, I really feel for him, but at the same time, he fought a great fight, and um, yeah, he should be really proud of how he went. And I think that that's his first real big international besides, or oh, one other earlier this year. So, I mean, he's got, he's still young. He's got so much more um, time, and, and I think he's got a lot more to give. I think from what he was saying, he, he wants to eye up the Olympics. So I think he's in good standing to, to build up to that in the next few years. Yeah. Um, now, what about uh, you know uh, the the big boy uh, uh, Ula Moao? I mean, he he lost to Delicious Ori uh, of England um, and ended up claiming bronze. But I mean, Delicious is a guy that they're talking up over in the UK has been the next big thing in pro boxing, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's six foot six. He's a big guy. Um, really, really good boxing skills. He's he's a good looking fella. So I think that I think that. We'll be seeing a lot more of him in the future. <laughs> so yeah, six foot six, great boxing skills, good speed. Um, and, I mean, unfortunately for Wheels, he had to uh, draw him to get to that final spot. Where maybe if he was on the other side of the draw, he 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 might have even got into that final. Um, well, he's got the power. Yeah, I mean, that knockout—you don't often see knockouts in in this form of boxing. But man, he he uh, certainly uh, put his previous opponent away. No, he's a, he's a solid guy. He's about one twenty or so, one hundred twenty kilos. So that's a big man, and uh, and he's not tall, so it's compact. He's solid, um, and and that right hand he clipped him, and, and that guy was yeah, he was he wasn't coming back from that. No, um, which maybe for that kind of style, like that that kind of boxer who's a bit more solid, bigger puncher. I think the pro ranks might be where he might even see more success, and what? that might be where. Uh, Terry, as coach, might want to put him next. Mm. Well, I mean, I, I think he'd be—he's a guy that would uh, that would draw crowds, right? I mean, he, he looked good on TV, uh, and you know, pro boxing loves knockout punches. Yeah, yeah, I think style-wise, I think he's more suited for that game. Um, so, and and I'm sure that after a tournament like that, the logical step is to go pro, especially at his age. He's at an age where he's he's probably time to turn him pro, and and yeah. Go, go go for uh, go for belt. We'll see what see what he does. What see what he decides to do, mate. Hey, we should also talk uh, Joe Parker. He's uh, finally inked a deal to fight Joe Joyce. This is a a big fight in both men's careers. I I mean it it, it feels like a dangerous fight for both guys. I mean, uh, what's what's your take on this fight? Uh, definitely a dangerous fight um, for both people, and and but I guess for Joe Joyce, he is past you know his mid thirties. I think thirty six to my knowledge, um, and he needs to start taking those kinds of risks. And someone like Joseph Parker really makes sense. A former world champion who, who's not just a former world champion, he's just getting knocked out. He's come off some big, some big wins, looking really good in his last fight. 
against Derek Chisora, who was a similar, in a way, kind of style to Joe Joyce. Some differences in what kind of punches they throw, but relentless, aggressive fighters. Um, and he looked really good against that, that style of boxer. Um, but yeah, Joe Joyce himself is a really risky guy. He's he's very strong. His engine is unbelievable. He just doesn't stop, but very hittable. And, and Joe, as a boxer, he is very good at catching guys that come forward, like Derek Chisora, guys that come forward in straight lines. He's quite good at getting those counter punches off. And, and he can actually, I don't think people give him enough credit, he actually, if he catches you right, he's got a good punch. He can put people away with one shot. A lot of them, people say he's a small heavyweight that's not that strong, but he is. He's pretty strong, and if you walk onto his punches, um, yeah, you'll know about it. Yeah, I mean, it, it feels like he'll be the smaller man again, you know, which he has been for you know a few fights now. But the way Joe Joyce fights, his movement and his hand speed should should give him the uh, the upper hand. You would think. Yeah, definitely right. The, the guys that that Joe, yeah, they've been really big guys like Anthony Joshua, um, and and. Even someone like uh, Dillian Wyatt. Dillian Wyatt is actually not a bad boxer. And and Anthony Joshua is obviously a good boxer. And that's where Joe had a little bit of trouble, that mix of punching power and boxing skills, I think. But Joe Joyce is slow-handed. He's very, very linear. He barely has any head movement, and he does get hit. And, and I think that Joe has a decent boxing IQ, and he has good hand speed, and he's good at catching those guys walking in. And I think, you know, it, it's a d- dangerous fight. If it goes past sort of four rounds, five rounds, you start going into Joe Joyce's. That that is part of the fight. After four or five rounds, he just doesn't stop. And if you haven't got him out the way there or hurt him or what, it's really dangerous. It's a dangerous fight. There's a dangerous time to be in. So I think Joe needs to kind of bang him out early and catch him coming in before the juggernaut gets going. Yeah, good stuff, man. All right, Chad. Hey, listen, man, thanks very much for coming on. Uh, I know you're keeping busy at the box office, so we'll let you go. But I appreciate your time, mate, and we'll see you soon, eh? Yes, 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 mate. Cheers. Cheers. There you go. Uh, Chad Milnes, uh, former New Zealand Commonwealth Games boxer, uh, talking the fight game with us. It is nine away from 10.